Blue Jays back in action in Houston tonight. Cesar Valdez gets the start up against Brad Peacock. World Junior Summer Showcase, Team Canada. Plays Sweden, 1 o'clock on TSN Television. NFL training camp swinging around. Lots going on today as we head into the long weekend. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Andy Matinamara. I'll keep you company until 1 o'clock. Safe driving wherever you're out to this weekend. In about five minutes, we're going to have Zig Cassie, host and anchor for Sirius XM NFL Radio. Boy, there's a lot of NFL storylines going on. As the first preseason game concluded yesterday, Dallas and Arizona. Uh, bad news for the Miami Dolphins with Ryan Tannehill. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Our poll questions at TSN 1050 Radio, at Andy MC 81 uh, no, The first one, I'm surprised... Or maybe I shouldn't be because the lack of respect the Raptors continue to get in the United States. But ESPN, putting out their projected Eastern Conference wins today, have the Raptors set at 43.4 wins. They won 51 a year ago. They added C.J. Miles. I would say at worst, they're not, on paper, they're not any, any worse off than they were. You got rid of a way underperforming Damari Carroll. Corey Joseph moves out to leave room for... Others to to come up. They're they're deep at point guard. Uh, C.J. Miles adds some three point sh- uh, three point shooting. Demar Derozan said he's been working on his shot from beyond the arc. So they put it under forty three. So you can vote at TSN ten fifty radio at Andy MC eighty one. What number? What range of wins do you think the Raptors are going to get? Under forty three, forty three to forty seven, forty eight to fifty, or fifty plus? Remember they did a fifty one last year. So far, the leader, 48 to 50 at 41%. 34% says 43 to 47. 5% under 43 and 20% at 50 plus. Producer Joe Narsa, what do you think, buddy, for the Raptors' win total? We have, we have leading the way 48 to 50 wins. Yeah, I think so. I think Doesn't 47 and a half is a more reasonable number for the Raptors. That's what I think. Like, you're going to drop eight wins? What? Why? That, and, right, and like, that's like, what we were well, saying why? before. Like what? And you hit the nail on the head. They acquired C.J. Miles. Offensively, they've gotten better. I'm a little fifty-fifty on the loss of Corey Joseph because I didn't think he played very well defensively last year. Mm-hmm. And and they're deep there. Yeah, they're deep. Their their youth has looked very good. Norm Powell has Powell. looked good. Hopefully, Powell. <laughs> Hopefully, Delon Wright can you know improve his game. I mean, he's still young, but. With the Raptors' core and the moves in the Eastern Conference, I look at them as a 3-4, maybe a 2 like, in the Eastern Conference, not 6. No, like, and I don't think they're they're getting out of the East to get to the NBA championship, but I, I don't see them worse off than they were last year. Well, here's a question for you, Andy. We had uh, Josh on when the whole Kyrie Irving stuff was happening, yeah. and he said, ultimately, I don't know if you can get fair value... For trading Kyrie Irving. Because the news is out that he wants to go. Right. It's out of your hands. I, I see it more as like a, a, an in-season trade for Kyrie rather than beforehand. Because I, I, I don't think they're going to get fair value. So the question is, is LeBron and guys going to be as good as LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love? And can Boston build on their season this year? Or was it a bit of an aberration with a younger team that kind of just kind of found their own? But they got Gordon Hayward. They got Gordon Hayward and they have Isaiah Thomas, but again, the Raptors do have Kyle Lowry and DeMar Rosen and Serge Ibaka, and mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just a lack of respect for a city 
like Toronto, which is the same reason why probably uh, Dwayne Casey was so oh, pissed I love off that clip on 1040 when he was on with Vancouver. Oh, when he said he, he, he did the Game of Thrones shame, shame on NBA stars for not wanting to come to Toronto and build a super team. I agree. Come on, man. We all know Toronto's a great city. So that's one of the questions. What do you think the Raptors' win total is going to be after the disrespect by ESPN? Saying that they'll win eight less games in the Eastern Conference. Our other poll question goes to the NFL. Dallas winning 2018 over Arizona in the Hall of Fame game yesterday. Which NFL team do you feel has the best chance to knock off the defending champion Patriots and to capture the Super Bowl? The Cowboys, the Packers, the Steelers, the Raiders. We had a caller in who said the Falcons are the most likely ones to get back and take it to the Patriots. Remember that historic collapse last year? I remember being in here watching the Super Bowl. And we're just thinking, all right. Okay, this thing's over. Let's, you know, go get, go get the pizza. Let's, let's relax. No way they're coming back. Patriots start coming back. All right, that, uh, fine. Garbage time. Okay, they keep coming. Oh, they're, they're, they're bat. Really? Tom Brady did it, and he did. So the options, who's going to dethrone the Patriots? Cowboys, Packers, Steelers, Raiders. Or you can tweet in your own at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. This is tight. Leading the way barely is the Raiders at 30%. Tied at 29% are the Packers and Cowboys. 12% for the Steelers. Let's bring on our next guest. My good friend, Zig Fricassi from Sirius XM, one of their fine NFL radio hosts. Zig, you were at the Hall of Fame game yesterday. Hey, Andy Mack. Yeah, it was. It was uh, a preseason game, but uh, I, I got to admit, uh, they and I've been coming here for a while, uh, they did a wonderful job uh, totally redoing. It's now Tom Benson Stadium. They had a ceremony honoring the Saints owner who donated $10 million uh, to the foundation. They've made it like a pro-style press box, and it's really part of a wide-ranging effort here in Canton to not only make it the Hall of Fame, but they're going to have meeting facilities, a four-star hotel, oh. almost like a almost like retail, a campus-type setting here within the next couple of years. So they've really expanded the Hall of Fame experience from what it was, gosh, not even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, well, I was down there for the 50th anniversary, which I can't remember how many years ago, not that long. Um, and, and it was my first time to the Hall of Fame. Nice facility, but yeah, it was it, you had the field kind of in the back, and the Hall of Fame is phenomenal inside. But that's great to hear that they're revamping. It's it's quite the the destination for those who haven't been. Like it's it's uh, almost a, a religious experience. I felt Zig, like you go into the, the the bronze bust area with the lights, kind of it's it's uh, yes. it's special. It really is. I always say it's like your football cards come into light. Yeah. And, you know, these, yeah. these are the these are the people that, you know, grew, uh, that you uh, you started watching as a kid. Started watching as a little, you know, a little kid with your dad or your uncles, your brother, whoever it may be. And then it's like, oh, wow. Now you see him immortalized in Camp the Bust or uh, having the honor and privilege that I do, having interviewed these guys over the years meeting your childhood heroes. I remember meeting Bob Lilly for the first time since I'm a Cowboys guy, Roger Staubach. I mean, it was quite overwhelming. And, you know, these guys are, they are around, uh, especially during Hall of Fame weekend. And also, too, Andy, with the educational aspect, 
you go around, you see artifacts of like the first contract, mm -hmm. the first helmets, the first uh, the headset in the technical. helmet. Absolutely, yeah. And then there, there's other, you know, the film exhibits, uh, the Super Bowl rings, uh, you know, and not only just NFL, but how it all got started. You know, the Canton Bulldogs, the Cater Staley's. I think that needs to be uh, taught to, to young people about how this game got started. The All-American Football League, the American Football League, uh, the USFL, how it all kind of assimilated into what we know today at the NFL. It is quite the experience. And the thing about it, too, is it's open year-round. Yeah. I mean, it gets all of attention this weekend because it's the Hall of Fame weekend, but it's open year-round, and it's worth, worth coming down and devoting a day, maybe two, to see what they have here. Well, I love the they have the um, the leg uh, uh, cast or mold of some of the Hall of Fame running backs. Zig, I kid yeah. you not, I can uh, my whole body I can fit inside the thighs of some of these guys. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> these legs are the size of me. It's ridiculous how thick some of these dudes were. Man, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, you go back to you know, like the days like Marion Motley. I mean, this yeah. was a this was like a lineman coming at you for goodness sake. And I know you're a big. Cleveland Browns guys ran into Jim Brown yesterday. Oh. There's still kind of that aura about him, yep. uh, even though he's been slowed in recent years. The guy still carries that mystique. So you're absolutely right. It's just uh, astounding. And the, the seven people that they're honoring this weekend, they're all worthy in their own right. So it'll be a good time tomorrow night here in Canton. And getting to the, the, the game briefly, the uh, Cowboys over the Cardinals 2018. Zig, I love how in the preseason, you just, uh, okay, uh, pro football focus tweet out, Kellen Moore has a 100.7 passer rate. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> Rick, really? And then Blaine Gabbert. Oh, Blaine Gabbert didn't throw a pick. Uh-huh. It's the first preseason. And then, undoubtedly, you see that uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill go by and then, well, maybe Kellen Moore is a, come on. Come on, guys. Like, it's, it's the first preseason yeah. game. These guys are getting work against, what, second, third string guys and, and some who won't even make the team. Well, absolutely. Well, in fairness to them, I, I think pro football focus does a wonderful job. Oh, I do, we too. We all yeah. know yeah. that. Yeah, and they're probably getting their preseason in uh, as well. I mean, you, you mentioned Blaine Gabbert, obviously, former first-round pick of the mm -hmm. Jaguars. Uh, and there was a lot of belief that uh, – you know, why didn't Arizona go after a quarterback in the draft? I mean, the guy's not that old. And, you know, Arians has a reputation of working with quarterbacks. So I'm not going to say all of a sudden, because he's coached by Bruce Arians, Blaine Gabbert's going to be Carson Palmer's successor. <laughs> but there is something to that. So it'll be interesting to see. And then Kellen Moore, how ironic is this? Uh, the young man who... Uh, is going to be an offensive coordinator one day. The kid's really sharp, won a lot of games at Boise State, but the problem is just doesn't have that strong of an arm, although he did look good in a couple <laughs> of touchdown passes last night, Andy. The fact is, if Kellen Moore doesn't get hurt last year, we may not be talking about uh, the Dak Prescott experience. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, yeah. just, it's really amazing how that, uh, that turned out. I was encouraged, um, gathers... Uh, the former basketball player from Baylor really uh, looked pretty good last night. I still envisualize him, though, as a 6'9 defensive end. Oh, my gosh. But what do I know? I only talk football. Right. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, but that that would be something. But Gathers is obviously looked upon as this, you know, emerging tight end possibly when Jason Witten retires. 
to kind of pick up the mantle there. So those are a couple observations I had from last night. Now, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins here, Zagan. We had Ryan Tannehill, who had the, uh, what was it, unstable or partially torn or, or strained ACL, PCL last year. They went under a non-surgical solution, went down, the knee is unstable, still not knowing what's yeah. going to happen there. At some point, that thing's going to need surgery. You have Matt Moore, who in relief last year, I thought did a decent job. But again, if you're the Dolphins, you got to the playoffs, you had a wild card game. Um, do you think there's another solution out there? Will the Dolphins stick with Matt Moore? Because otherwise you go to, all right, who's out there? Well, Brock Osweiler, we know the Browns probably want to deal him. Um, is he somebody? Colin Kaepernick's always floating around there. Is there another deal? What, how do you think the Dolphins should address this? Well, now the, the flavor of the last hour or so seems to be Jay Cutler, who, yeah. of course, <laughs> uh, basically, he didn't retire on his own. He was sort of forced into it because there was really no interest in him. So, of course, he's now becoming a TV analyst. But, of course, people are going to want to marry the fact that Jay Cutler worked together with Adam Gason mm-hmm. uh, at one point. So there's always that logic. Uh, and then, oh, we got to throw in the Colin Kaepernick name. And I know Stephen Ross supported what Kaepernick did. But here, here we go again. You got the dynamic there. Like if, you know, the Ravens, uh, Ozzie Newsom, John Harbaugh want to sign, but the shoddy apparently doesn't. And hmm. imagine what's going on there with the sort of the chaos with the Baltimore police situation. Think about this now, Andy. In Miami, didn't Colin Kaepernick have a pro Castro shirt on? Yeah. You imagine how that might, you know, rile up the people down there in Miami. Mm-hmm. Another distraction. Did the Dolphins want to handle that? You know, would Mr. Ross have to go to the sponsors? Would he have to go to, you know, law enforcement? Would he have to do all this kind of stuff to sign him? So uh, long-term answer, I'm not sure what they're going to wind up doing. I think, you know, Matt Moore is serviceable. I'm not sure you win nine or ten games with him as the full-time starting quarterback. So it just goes to show, you know, the, the importance of a backup quarterback because, you know, that it's tried and true saying on any given Sunday, you know, one play away, all the cliches you want. That's why these guys got to get their reps in, and I think it's why it's more important more than ever now. I think at some point we got to have a developmental league so these guys yeah. can get some kind of repetitions because they're obviously not getting enough of them in practice, or maybe that's on the coaching staff. You know what? Maybe we need to, you know, give – I don't know, 25, 30% of the reps to the second or third string guys because you just never know. Well, I'm with you, Zagan. It would be great to have some sort of developmental league because, yeah, then you, then you can have guys who are actually ready. There's only so much mental reps can give you, right, or, or that you can learn from, from film. Like, it only takes you so far. Now, you mentioned Jake Cutler, and I wonder, though, like if Jake Cutler was mentally preparing for the broadcast booth, what type of shape is he in? He's not been, he hasn't been prepping the last number of months to be in football shape. So even if he knows Gase, like how long would it take him to get ramped up there or familiar? Like I, I, that's, that's the question we don't know. Absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, is he at a stage now? First of all, uh, you know, what, you're absolutely right. You know, what kind of physical shape is he in? What kind of mental shape might he be in? Uh, you know, does the wife now, uh, does she want him to play? And then right. more importantly, too, how much are you going to be able to pay the guy? 
mm-hmm. mean, you do have a salary cap. Is he going to, you know, command? If he's going to command what he got with the Bears, he's not getting that with the Dolphins. So uh, that that's thing too. In other words, is he going to play for I don't know four million, five million a year, whatever the case may be? I just don't know if that's going to happen. I think maybe he's kind of content with retirement, and we'll we'll go from there. But it's a but again though, you look back on it, Andy. If something's going to happen, it might as well be now because yeah. you're going to know going into the season. You may not have Ryan Tannehill for half, if not the whole season, depending on the ultimate diagnosis and treatment for his injury. Better to know now than later. True, true. And, and yeah, with, with Cutler, how much does he love the game? Like, he never came across as a guy to me who was like, you know, would play it for, for a bargain to just to just sling it, you know? So right. it's going to follow that. And then I, I like then you have Tony Romo, who I haven't heard his name too much, but do you think yeah. that there's a scenario where – he might come out, or would that only be in a Dallas situation? Like, you have those two are kind of, they're, they're still right there, and they haven't really started the broadcast side yet. You know, it's funny you mentioned Romo, because last night I'm walking into the press box, and I see Jim Nance, and then ultimately right behind him is oh. Tony Romo, who, who greeted me like he's known me for 15 years, and I've never met the guy. But, uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was cool, because he was, he was kind of hamming it up for the press. They were actually doing a sort of demo broadcast of the Hall of Fame game because obviously Jim Nance and Tony Romo are your top team for CBS this coming year. Uh, the Romo name, Andy, I think has gone kind of quiet. I think he, and he's come out and said he's been on with us on Sirius XM NFL radio on fantasy sports radio. And he keeps saying, I'm done. Mm. I'm done. I've had my time. And, you know, he's a family man now. And let's not forget. He's had back injuries, yeah. gosh forbid, one one bad hit, and he may regret that forever. So I get a sense Tony Romo's done. Right, and, and I think more so than, than Jay Cutler, yeah, he was able to say, um, you know, there, there's a reason that he's uh, yeah. th- that he would hang it up. So This is medical, absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Want to get your uh, vote on our poll question here, Zig, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Um, at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81 on Twitter. Which NFL team do you feel has the best chance to knock off the defending champion Patriots? The Cowboys, the Packers, the Steelers, the Raiders, or if there's someone else you want to throw out there? We had a vote for the Falcons on the phone earlier. Mm, well, now... <laughs> Yeah, let's circle back to the Super Bowl when it was 28-3. to Then I would have liked that choice. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, it was, it was out there. Wow. Um, of, of, of those teams, hmm, I'm not sure any of them are going to be able to do it. I, I suppose, I suppose um, the Packers, because as long as you got Aaron Rodgers, uh, you, you always have a chance. I like the addition there of Bennett as yeah. a tight end. Uh, they, they still have to figure out their backfield and uh, I think shore up their defense a little bit. Um, I'll tell you, if they settle their quarterback situation, I think I was on with you on another show recently. I'm telling you, watch out for those Houston Texans. Yeah, you because, mentioned that Monday, yeah. Yeah, because I'm telling you, they have a Super Bowl defense. Mm-hmm. They're that they're that good. And oh, by the way, number ninety nine's back. Oh, boy. I ain't talking about Wayne Gretzky, right? You know, <laughs> JJ, you know, uh, JJ, yeah, Mister Watt, uh, and they performed well without him last year. So think of how good they'll be. 
And I think Mike Vrabel is going to be a head coach in the NFL. He takes over that defense. So you got to think, as good as Romeo Cornell was, I think you're going to see a few more tweaks in the Mike Vrabel system. With them, there's a couple of concerns. Now, what, Fuller went down with a broken collarbone. That kind of takes them back a little bit because now they've got to find somebody to compliment the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And who is ultimately going to be the quarterback? I mean, Savage, you know, a couple of years ago, everybody was talking about this kid as, you know, the next sort of mystery, so to speak, because he was supposed to be so good after his college career at Pittsburgh. He hasn't turned out thus far. Hence, they drafted Sean Watson, who, from all uh, reports I can gather and listen to and people I respect, tell me this kid's really good, really bright. In fact, Bill O'Brien said it's the the best rookie I've had as far as picking up things. So if they get that settled down, I think Houston makes a run in the AFC. But, again, I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody's beating New England simply because how, how is, can the Super Bowl champs get better on, on paper? Well, they did that. Right. Now they have <laughs> to just bring everybody in. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the addition of Gilmore – Ninkovich, that leadership boy is going to hurt, but I think Ely and some of these other guys, uh, the young kid out of uh, Youngstown State, the Rivers, the third-round pick, watch them pick up uh, where uh, Ninkovich left off. And if that's the case, I-, I think New England takes it again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be tough to knock off the bats. It's going to be tough. Uh, Zeke, thank you so much as always, man. We'll do it again soon. Andy, anytime, man. All right, that is Zig for Cassie. You can catch him on Sirius XM NFL Radio and follow him on Twitter at Zig for Cassie. Yeah, you bring up the Houston Texans. So you lose Fuller running back wise, leading the way is Lamar Miller. Like Lamar Miller gets a lot of hype. I'm not, I'm not overly big on Lamar Miller. Like I think he's good, but average four yards of carry, which is where, where you want to be around four to five. You know, for upper upper level quarterback. 268 carries, just over 1,000 yards, 1,073, five touchdowns on the ground. Not, not dominant, right? Like, not in receiving, 31 catches. So he can catch out of the backfield. But he's not somebody I think you can really say, all right, carry the load and you're going to go off every single week. He's good, but not good enough to carry if you, you, you really have questions at the quarterback position. All right, it is 12-23 on Toronto today. It's time for a TSN 1050 Sound War. Whoa, what a hit that was! This is the worst one for sure. Yeah, the best sound bites go head-to-head, then you decide which one survives this TSN 1050 Sound War. Brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light Logger. It's soundbite seed number six versus seed number 11. Soundbite number six, a memorable moment from the Leafs-Capitals playoff series with a great chirp at the end by Joe Bowen. Dished off on the far side for Bozak. Sandy pass, scores! Scores! Tyler Bozak! Holy Mackinac, the Leafs have won it! Hey, Mike Medano, there's going to be at least six games! Oh, I think that Mike Medano, love it. Soundbite number 11. New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, at his best, shuts down reporters' questions about his friendship with Donald Trump. So your team's always been good at keeping outside distractions on the outside. Given the nature of this presidential race, Seattle. did you find it, did you find it uh, helpful to talk Seattle. to players about this? Have any of your players talked to you about this? Seattle. 
<laughs> Bill Belichick wins. Give that man the $10,000. He's won it. That's it. Come on. Bill Belichick on to Cincinnati. Just keeps repeating Seattle. Like, does it get any better than Bill Belichick? That's at, at Listen, at soundbite number 11, I love Bonesy. I love that call. If it's me, man, I'm voting, I'm voting Belichick. That's amazing. All right, you can go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your favorite soundbite. Seed number six, Bozak's OT winner, or seed number 11, Belichick's Seattle. Seattle. Voting for this Sound War closes at 3 p.m. Listen to Overdrive later today for the results and for the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Sound Wars is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's New Letter Up Light Lager at select Loblaw Grocery stores. All right, we'll take the break. Come back. More of your phone calls and tweets. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Toll free 855-591-6876 on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Talking Raptors. ESPN put them at 43.4 wins this season. Too low, too high, just right. NFL, who can de- dethrone the Patriots? Jays playing today. Argos got beat last night. Whatever you want, heading into a long weekend here on TSN 1050. Ah, Friday of a long weekend. So good. Welcome back to Tron Today. I'm Andy McNamara. I'll be with you until 1 o'clock. Then Mike Hogan takes over. Overdrive after that. Then it's on to the weekend, folks. Drive safe wherever you're going. Phone lines are now open. I want to talk with you about the Raptors being designated 6th in the Eastern Conference by ESPN. No respect. They had 51 wins last year. 43.4. They project this season. Too high, too low, just right. What do you think on the Raptors' projection there? The NFL preseason started yesterday. Who's going to knock off the Patriots? Can anyone knock off the Patriots? Also, uh, any fantasy football talk or advice or tips, uh, happy to chat with you about that. Argos lost last night. Jays uh, back off the, uh, the off day facing the Astros in Houston. Best team in the American League. What are the Jays going to do in this series? Phone numbers 416 416- 870 1050 416-870-1050. Toll free, 1-855-591-6876. 855-591-6876. And on Twitter, at TSN1050Radio. Myself, at AndyMC81. Uh, bring in producer Joe Narsa here. Joe, for the NFL poll question, we talked a little bit about the, the Raptors one earlier. We both think it's ridiculous that you're popping the Raptors eight wins less than a year ago when... At worst, the roster is the same as last year. And I think it's a little bit better when you get rid of the uh, unfortunate dead weight that was uh, Damari Carroll. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you, you hit the nail on the head, and I wish you could like write a rebuttal to ESPN basketball. Say, shame on you. And just say, listen, the Raptors are, if anything, just as good as they were last year. Yeah, where, where are they losing eight more games? I don't, I honestly, where? I don't know. The only thing that I could consider that they're thinking is that maybe the team is stale and they're not going to be as, you know, as hot as they were in the last few years. But other than that, I mean, DeMar DeRozan's, what, 27, maybe 28? But, yeah, there's nothing showing that in the... Now, the, you want to talk about playoffs. Can they get by Cleveland still, even without Kyrie? I'd say probably not. But that doesn't matter, because no. in the regular season, Toronto's shown a really good ability to play exactly. with Cleveland. Exactly. And last year, a lot of the Raptors' losses early on in the year were against the top four contenders in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You saw them lose games against San Antonio, Cleveland, Golden State... 
And at the time, they were still the fourth best team coming out of the you know the long playoff run they had the year before. Up until Lowry, you know, was kind of hurt, playing injured, and the teams defensively went downhill. They hadn't lost many games other than I think two to uh, the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, which everybody was losing their mind. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. That, yeah, the Out West one. There was that weird time yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just kept losing weird games, and you looked at what the team became after that. And from what I've saw and what we got to see all year, the Toronto Raptors are a very good team that's underperformed a little bit last year. Right, and and in the playoffs, and that's a whole different story, but now you add C.J. Miles, you move out Joseph and Carroll, and you let some of the youth uh, have a chance, right? Have a chance to perform. So our other poll question, NFL-wise, with the preseason starting up yesterday, again, you can call in on the Raptors, NFL, had a couple of great calls earlier in the show, 416 870 Four one six eight seven zero ten fifty toll free eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six. Argos two. Ricky Ray's down and Jay's playing tonight. But our NFL poll question: Which NFL team do you feel has the best chance to knock off the defending Patriots? Which one? Zig for Cassie. Pretty much. We had him on from Sirius XM NFL Radio. Joe, he pretty much, without saying it, was like, uh, it's still the Patriots. Like, like E on that is who can beat the Patriots, and it's the Patriots. That's what I was saying when we were putting up the poll. You were laughing at me, and I was like, the Patriots. The Patriots. Seattle. Like, the, I'm sorry. You know what? As an 11 seed, that is a dark horse in our sound wars. That is a dark horse 11 seed. Anything Bill Belichick can never be considered Seattle. a dark horse. Saying Seattle. That guy's a monster. Like, he's, I, I honestly feel he just loves trolling the media. Like, he goes back in the back room, like, high fives, guys. Like, oh, you see what I did there? For sure, because every player he's that's so played awesome. for him usually say they love him. Yeah, but it's like, well, from what we dude. see, it's like, how can you love him? He sounds awful. Funny enough, uh, <laughs> Matty Cause has tried very hard to have Bill Belichick on, and also oh. another coach that is very tough to deal with is Pop. And I remember Ooh. Cause once asked me, he's like, just tell him I want to talk about wine. No sports. No sports. And they were like, no. They are like, no, no, no. It's he's, the, he's it's the game they play. It's a smart move, though. Well, for, for Belichick, though, like, we know how obsessed he is with winning and it, it, tiptoeing along the line, or dare I say cheating, on multiple examples. There's a story from back when he was, people forget, his first head coaching job was with the Cleveland Browns. And back then, I have guys who covered the team tell me that there are stories he would go personally, not send a coach, Joe, he would go personally after a game into the visitor's locker room and bring out their garbage he would go through their trash to see if they left any sort of game plan or notes and then keep a file. He had garbage files from the opposition. So if you were in there and you threw out that play sheet after a game, he had that. He had a crumpled up coffee stained note and he would go through it personally. That's how obsessed and manic Bill Belichick is. That's he, why he's the best. He's like the evil coach from the water boy <laughs> yeah. who steals the plays <sighs> From the water boys coach and ruins them. But he goes through the garbage. Well, you know what? And and that's what's so tough about this poll. That ultimately, the New England Patriots seem to be, every year, almost the perfect team in the NFL. And yeah. when you look at these four teams, they all have some deficiencies in them. And that's what makes this such a compelling poll. Like yeah. The Steelers are at 10%, but people forget, up until the injuries near the end of the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers oh. looked like a very good team heading into the playoffs. Oh, Joe, like, honestly, and it kills me to say this as a Browns fan, Steelers are my pick out of that, out of that one. Because now Ben Roethlisberger, it seems like he's always dinged up a little bit here and there. You have Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, who can shrug off defenders like Dandruff and make a play. 
Uh, then you have Martavis Bryant. Uh, tight end position a little weak. Defense is good enough. Like They are dangerous. If they're healthy, they could sling it with the Patriots. And Ben Roethlisberger has a Super Bowl. They're not, it's not like you have a guy who's never been there. So the, the Steelers are my pick. Like the Cowboys, I think, are the, and it's the Raiders actually leading the way at 32%, Cowboys second at 30%. The, the Cowboys, I think, are going to be, I think they're going to be able to take an, another step this year. I think they're probably a year, maybe two away from actually getting to the Super Bowl. Young quarterback still, uh, legal trouble or suspension possibly hanging, hanging over Zeke Elliott. Raiders, I love, uh, with Derek Carr coming off of that, that injury, though. The big wild card there, Joe, with the Oakland Raiders is uh, Marshawn Lynch. Like, beast mode, okay. Now, he had the year off, so he's going to be fresh. But we don't know. He could come out week one, get injured, or just not have that extra little burst that he used to and fall flat. Well, that's what I was exactly thinking, especially because last year with the Oakland Raiders, Latavius Murray was, although he was the lead back, it was... It seemingly seemed every week he wasn't the lead back. Yeah, and there was yeah. games where guys would come in and spell him and then just take over. And he also was a little bit of an injury-prone running back. Most running backs are. He was a fantasy nightmare, too, Latavius I have Listen, I had him. He was a fantasy nightmare. But when he was in there and when he was successful, the Raiders were way more successful mm-hmm. when they had a real good ground-and-pound game. Sure. We know the Marshawn Lynch that we knew can play that game. He can ground-and-pound. Right. The issue is, like you said, will the year off do him good? He's 31 years old now. I know, but if the year off does him good, Oakland looks like a legitimate contender. And he's motivated to play for his hometown. That's where he wanted to play. Right. So he has he has a motivation to go and, and succeed. Now, outside of that, you had DeAndre Washington last year, and he's still with the club, who spelled Latavius Murray. He flashed a little bit. And as a second-year player, what's he going to mean? But outside of that, like if, if, if Lynch falls flat, you have George Atkinson the third. Uh, he had some time with the Browns. Let me tell you, <laughs> no, he's not going to do it. John Crockett, Elijah Hood, Lynch, Jalen Richard again. Another so-so, along with DeAndre Washington. So a lot is hanging on Marshawn Lynch here for the right. Raiders. And also, I mean, what are your thoughts on what we'll see out of Amari Cooper this year? Because <sighs> he had, I think it was the last. He had a six-week clump where he looked unbelievable. Yep. But outside of that, he still hasn't become that number one go-to wide receiver that we look at with the other three teams in this, in the Cowboys, Packers, and Steelers. They have a number one guy that's a guarantee lock. Now, if you look, and you're right, Joe, the first clump of the season, up until October 30, he had one, two, three, four 100-plus receiving yard games, and not just by a little, like 137, 138, 129, 173. After that... He never got over 76 yards. Dude, Michael Crabtree was oh. in like the fantasy like waiver master pool because oh, yeah. if you picked up Crabtree in like week 4 when everybody was like oh he's a depth guy and you sat him on your bench after that he seemed to be the the number one receiver for Derek Carr which was blowing everybody away. And Crabtree looked like he was done. Oh, for sure. He looked like he was done. Now in 2015, he had a nice bounce back after two dud years with San Francisco, 922, but won over 1,000 last year. And yeah, nine and eight touchdowns. So when you look at what Crabtree is at this point in his career, 29, he's not going to, you know, you have that complimentary piece. You have that nice one, two with the Raiders. And Derek Carr, as long as he's recovered from that leg injury, looks like he is. He is. I, I love Derek Carr. He is, uh, he is absolutely sensational. Now, 
at tight end, Jared Cook. Mm, I'm not wild by him. Uh, nobody else really jumping out at, at tight end. And after Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, possession guys. Now, Cordero uh, Patterson was a, a, an early pick of the Minnesota Vikings, kind of fell off. So he has a chance to be a resurgence uh, guy, 6'2", 220. So maybe Patterson can do something like that. And the defense is getting better. The secondary was a weakness. It's getting better. You still have Khalil Mack, who is a complete freak show. So the Raiders could be the option. So you got the Cowboys, uh, the Steelers, now the Packers. If ever you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance, right? Like you have Aaron Rodgers. And we saw the Packers last year do some outstanding things with no running game. And by that, I mean like they hodgepodge everything together. Ty Montgomery, a swing receiver, running back, like it was a mess with the butterball known as Eddie Lacy. Hey, he's lost weight. For now, Joe, this is how messed up it is. He gets paid on a schedule if he checks into camp at a, under a certain weight. 55 uh, Gs every certain, like 10 imagine, pounds or something. Imagine, like, hey, Joe, just don't eat too much, and here's 55 grand. That's a sweet contract. We, we need so that agent. Down. We need that agent. Don't eat, a, don't eat too much, and you're going to be okay, and you're going to get paid. But right now, like for the Packers, that's, that still remains the weakness to me. Uh, running back, Ty Montgomery's still in there. Uh, William Stanback, Cleet Phillips, Jamal Williams. Like you're not, you're not really selling it there. The wide receiver group is stacked if health you know, holds up. Devontae Adams I really like. Uh, the defense, a lot of questions still on the defense. So the Packers, I think, will do kind of what the Packers always do. They'll get to the playoffs, maybe the conference championships, but not be quite good enough to get over the edge. Well, the Cowboys and the Steelers are the most interesting, and they seem like the most similar because both have a dual-threat offense. Mm-hmm. And when you play against yeah. Belichick, he almost shuts down what you do best. And if you're able to have a dual-threat offense, you make Belichick have to do more work. He forces you yeah, he forces you to beat him another way. If you're equally good in two parts, though, that's where, that's where the real intrigue's there. Right, but now, and you said it best, Ezekiel Elliott, what's going to happen with his suspension? And don't forget, like... Des Bryant does not stay healthy. No. And he has weeks where he's somewhat invisible after he comes back from a stint off the on the IR. He hasn't been dominant, it seems like, for years now. But you assume he is a dominant wide receiver whenever he's on the field, and that might be maybe our mistake. But when you have a guy like Des Bryant, Ezekiel Elliott, and for the Steelers, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. you give the Patriots a lot more to work with, but... Like like we say all the time, once Belichick is on the other side of the lines, it's a totally different story. Because somehow they find a way to do it. That's why I would vote Patriots. You'd vote Patriots. Do Patriots it again. beating Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> do it again. All right, uh, we'll take the break. Come back to wrap up the show. If you want to get in on a call, four one six eight seven zero ten fifty four one six eight seven zero ten fifty toll free eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six on Twitter at TSN ten fifty radio at Andy MC eighty one. Back to wrap up Toronto today here on TSN ten fifty. Back to wrap up Toronto today on the Friday of a long weekend. I'm Andy McNamara. At the top of the hour, Mike Hogan takes over. Safe driving wherever you're headed this weekend. I haven't checked the weather. I think it's supposed to be okay. Hopefully it's some nice sunny weather for you. You can get us on Twitter at TSN1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. 
Blue Jays back in action today as they head into Houston to take on the Astros. Cesar Valdez starting for Toronto. His last time out, folks, was July 30. Two sweet innings pitched, six earned runs, seven hits. It's been inconsistent, to say the least. Last time out before that, it was six innings, had four strikeouts, just one walk. So what are you going to get out of the 32-year-old? And how long? Like, how, how many innings are you going to wear out the bullpen? What's going to happen with Cesar Valdez? And really, at this point with the Jays, like, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to see out of this team the rest of the way with two months left in the season and them out of contention. Like, ten, five and a half out of the second wildcard spot, that doesn't sound like a lot. And, heck, you know, they could go on a random run. Who knows? But you still have seven teams to overtake, and you're five and a half back, and they haven't shown to being able to go on any sort of extended run, which they would need to do. They need to go on an extended winning streak and then go on another extended winning streak to get back into contention. And they just haven't shown like they've been able to do that this year. So anyway, yeah, that's a, a later game uh, after... 8 o'clock, first pitch. But Gordash, former Blue Jays executive GM um, insider here on TSN, works with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers organization. Uh, he was on earlier and uh, commented on well, how he would control the Jays. Well, I, w- I, want to, I want to maximize what Josh Donaldson has, so I want to build a club for, for 18 that can be competitive. I want to sign uh, Donaldson to a four-year deal. Um, I want to secure uh, two outfielders, either through free agency or trade, productive offensive outfielders. I'll, I'll live with Tulowitzki at shortstop because I still think he's he's a good defender. I don't think we're going to get much with the bat there. Uh, I'm going to be very confident that Devon Travis is finally healthy and can play second base. Um, I'm going to upgrade my second catcher so Russell Martin doesn't have to play every day. And I'm going to wish for great health for Alex Sanchez and add a add a, uh, a veteran fifth-type starter and create some more minor league depth so that if we do have injuries, we're a little more protected. So there's, there's a lot of things you can do to be competitive for 18. But if we're not competitive for 18, we're going to blow the entire thing up and start again. That was Gordash on how he would run the Jays this offseason. And how the handling of Josh Donaldson goes down is going to tell us a lot about the, the direction immediate and in the next few years for the Toronto Blue Jays. Is he going to be a building block? Or do you think he's on the decline with those leg injuries? If you sign Josh Donaldson to an extension, uh, Gord said four years, so let's take that number. If you extend him four years, you are saying he is our cornerstone piece. He's our guy. You don't extend Josh Donaldson if you're looking to rebuild. Because then he's 31, and if a rebuild, if you're thinking two, three years, well, then you're at the end of his contract, and his skill set might be diminishing, so why would you bother? What Now, Gord said there he's going to assume Devin Travis is healthy. Well, I don't, you can't assume that because he's never healthy. He isn't healthy. And with Aaron Sanchez, those blister issues, you can't overlook. So many people I talk to, oh, yeah, the blister thing will just get fixed. Really? How do you know? How do you know it's going to get fixed? The blisters, it's not, you don't tear an ACL and then you fix that and then it's good. Blisters are weird, strange things. Ask Al Leiter. 
Like, that is not a given that that is going to be fixed. So, Devin Travis, I think if you're the Jays, you got to figure out second base. Because Devin Travis has not shown in any capacity to be able to stay on the field. So, all right, you got second base to worry about. Too low, big contract, but he's serviceable. Maybe you just you try to take the contract out of him. It's like, well, that's what you get. I like the upgrade at backup catcher. Take a little bit of the pressure off of Russ Martin. Josh Donaldson's the giant question mark. Outfield, Jose Bautista cannot be your everyday right fielder. He just can't. It's done. It's over. He might not return to the team. So you need a right fielder. And you're going to want an impact right fielder if you're going to consider yourself a contender like the Jays claim. So, okay, so you need a big-time right fielder. Left field, you don't want Steve Pierce out there every day. Or even on a platoon. He can't move in the outfield. So, all right, so left field's a question. What are you going to do with Steve Pierce? Where are you going to put him? Center field, Kevin Pillar, you can stick with him even though it looks like he's, he's diminishing. But you can still use him. And first base, just, uh, first base, Justin Smoke. Can he do what he's done again this year? He hasn't done it before, so we don't know. So many question marks. And like this year, what the Jays management did quite simply was, well, hope things go good. And then they just like kicked up their feet. Okay, hey, uh, we got Steve Pierce, Kendris Morales. All right, when a more athletic Cleveland team beat you, you knew last year you were old and slow. And what you did is you got older and slower. How does that equate to contending this year? Now, a lot of things have gone, you know, didn't predict the Sanchez blister thing. You could probably have seen the Devin Travis thing coming, and you didn't get as lucky with health. So those things happen. But for the Jays, like, where, where do you plan on, you have so many holes to fill. And what does, I asked this question yesterday, what, what does contending mean to this front office? What, what does that mean? Does it mean you're going to challenge the Red Sox and Yankees? Well, I, I, I really don't know how you're going to do that with how they're built. Is it going for the second wild card spot and you're going all year to try for a one-off playoff game? And if you finish three, four games out, that's okay. You're five and a half out now. How do you feel about this team today? I don't feel very good about it. Is that contending that you get a little bit closer for the second wild card team and, and you hope for health? Like it just seems like there are way too many ifs, way too many how are, are like, I, I just really don't see how you're going to be able to fix all these problems or even patchwork it enough to, to really get back into contention. Oh, and by the way, everyone forgets about the Tampa Bay Rays. They've been making moves. They're getting pretty good, too. So all of a sudden, Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, Baltimore, and you. And Baltimore, if they don't address their starting pitching, then I don't know what they're thinking down there. But you can take Baltimore. But the Rays are getting trickier. It's a long way to go. Uh, but the Jays uh, do try. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. So nice little, nice little surge. Still 5.5 back of the second wildcard game. Cesar Valdez goes tonight for the Blue Jays. All right, everybody. Great show. Thank you to all of our guests. For producer Joe Narsa and Steve Eliopoulos, I'm Andy McNamara. Mike Hogan is up next. You've been listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Have a great long weekend.